everybody, and welcome to Kensington Online. My name is Patrick, and we are so glad that you decided to join us today. If you're not following us on social media yet, we would love to invite you to do that, because that's one of the best ways that you can stay up to date on everything that's happening here at our church. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, and all of those outlets are going to have all the information that you need to know what's going on here. I also want to let you know that today we are continuing our series called Unstoppable Force. And what we've been talking about is a local church and how it is a movement spreads all over the world and the impact that it can have. So today you're going to get to hear from our founding pastor, Steve Andrews. It's going to be an incredible message, and we can't wait for you to hear it. Well, I think we're about to get started. We'll see you right back here in just a few minutes. Oh, good morning. How are we feeling? Are we feeling pretty good so far? Of course you're not. You lost an hour of sleep last night, people. Come on now. No, hey, we are so glad you're here. And if you made it to, the, to this service and you're in the room already, that means probably one of two things. That means you're either an early morning person or you don't have kids. Is that is that right? Yeah. Yeah, real quick. How many of you are early morning people? Any early morning people in here? And then where are all the rest of us who are not? Yeah, and we're all judging the early morning people. That's okay. Because you're a little too happy, hey, but uh, we are so glad you're here. Hopefully you've had a little bit of coffee or caffeine. I know I've had uh, quite a bit already, so it's great. Now, along those lines, we know that people are still trickling in, and there's probably quite a bit of people uh, in, the, uh, in the lobby that are getting ready, and most of those people probably want some coffee. So what we did today is we sent out a, a new friend that we have. Her name is Jane, and Jane is actually out in the lobby with a couple of people. Jane, are you, are you out there? Where are you at, Jane? Jane, can you hear me? She can't hear me. Hello, Jane. This is the best thing I've ever seen so far this week. This is great. Jane, can you hear me now? Jane? Hello? Jane. <laughs> Jane. Jane will never host for us again. I hear you. you still can't hear me. Oh, no. Can you hear me now? All right, there you are. There we go. Jane, what is going on? Everybody say hi, Jane. Hi, Jane. Say it really loud. One more time. One, two, three. Hi, Jane. Awesome. Can you hear them? Everybody loves you. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. That's great. Jane, now I'm just kind of curious, how much caffeine have you already had today? Uh, enough to last me through the day right now. <laughs> That's great. Mm-hmm. Now you said yeah. earlier that you've been drinking some Diet Coke. Is it Diet Coke? Is that right? I might have slipped in another coffee. That's great. So, yeah. <laughs> Come on, coffee. I'm, I'm good for now. You're good. Now real quick, how many of you in the audience, you already have had Diet Coke and our coffee? Anybody had regular Coke? Surge? Anybody remember Surge? Don't drink that. No, no, that's great. So, Jane, I, I know I talked to you. Maybe we could maybe find somebody out there who's, you know, kind of like us, where, you know, they're not necessarily morning yeah, people. Have you found anybody? I'm going to go take a look real Yeah, quick. let's go find somebody. Who we got? Hi. Here we go. Hi, can I pull you over here for a second? Oh. <laughs> Perfect. What's your name? Alicia. Alicia, nice to meet you. Um, can I ask you a few questions? Sure. All right. So, what was the first thought that, well, first word that came to your mind? When you woke up this morning, um, coffee. coffee. Oh, all right. Coffee. <laughs> Speaking of coffee, how many cups have you had today? This is number three. Wow. Number three. Now, number the other thing, three. too. All right. Now, here's what's wow. crazy. Alicia's a volunteer in K-Kids, right? Are you a volunteer, Alicia? I am. Yeah. So how many cups of coffee does it usually take to manage children? Uh, more than three. More than three. More than three. <laughs> That's great. 
Well, since you are also a coffee lover, just like myself, I would like to give you a little something something to maybe help last help you last through tomorrow. Yes. So thank you. what do you say? That's awesome. Hey, will you guys give it up for Jane and Alicia? That's great. Big B gift card. Fantastic. Thanks so much. Thank you so much. We're so glad you're here. And again, welcome. And we hope that you are mildly awake. And if not, we hope the coffee helps. Uh, Just so you know, every single weekend that you're here, uh, we have people that get here about 6 to 6.30 in the morning to start making coffee. They make it throughout the whole day. And today, the guy's name that was doing that was named Warren Kramer. So if you see Warren out there, give him a high five. He's a hugger. I'm just kidding. I don't know if that's true. So maybe don't hug him. But give him a high five and, uh, and let him know uh, that you are thankful that he did that. Uh, and now, if, uh, again, if it's your first time, we've got a couple things that we wanted to let you know about. We have an environment called Starting Point that's actually out in the lobby. And so uh, after service today, if you'd like to learn a little bit more about who we are or how to take a next step here, uh, Starting Point is in the lobby. And then if you are an introverted person just like I am, that's totally okay. If you'd still like more information, you can go to startingpoint.today, startingpoint.today, and you can find out some information information about who we are there. All you got to do is give us a little bit of your information and we will call you uh, throughout the week uh, and answer anything you have and we'll send you a free gift as well. Uh, Now when you came in, I believe you got a program. I'd love for you to go ahead and get that out. I wanted to let you know uh, one other thing that's going on. Uh, We are doing our render service this week. Uh, So that's going to be Wednesday night here at our church. Now how many of you have ever attended render? Do we have anybody that's been to render? Yeah, it's fantastic. So uh, at render, what we do is we really have an extended time of like music and singing together. Uh, we do a, a shorter sort of message, and then we typically take communion uh, together as well. And this, uh, this coming week, what we're doing is we're really preparing our hearts for the coming Easter uh, services that we have. And so we'd love to invite you to come to that. Uh, it's going to be a fantastic night. We always do sort of a fun thing in the lobby uh, where you can get to know some people as well. So if you're looking for a next step uh, to be able to just meet people and learn more about what we do, uh, renders another opportunity that you can do that. Now, here's what I'd love for you to do. I'd love for you to go ahead and stretch out for a second, stand up, give three or four people around you a high five, and then you get to ask the same question Jane did. What was the first word that came to your mind when you woke up this morning? Go ahead, stand up, give a couple people a high five. Hey everybody, this is Patrick, and I just wanted to say thanks again for watching our service today online and being a part of this community. Now we know that you might have some questions as you watch the service today and want to find out a little bit more information about who we are. And so we've created an environment for you to do just that. Simply go to startingpoint.today, that's startingpoint.today, and fill out that short form, and one of our staff members will reach out to you very shortly and answer any questions that you have about our church and about who we are. Again, thanks so much for watching. We'll be back at the end of the service today. Uh, to give you a little bit more information, but we'll see you here in just a few minutes. Well, good morning. My name is Ryan. This is Shauna. This is Meredith. We're going to lead you guys in a song called Glory to Glory. Feel free to sing it with us. Here we go. Higher we go for glory. 
glory, to glory, to glory. We'll never be the same, never be the same. And we go from glory to glory to glory. We're forever changed, forever changed.
As a kid, I, I grew up uh, in church, like many of you did, and, uh, and there were parts of my faith that made sense as I got older, and there were parts of my faith that, that seemed not to uh, the older that I got. And, uh, and one of the things that I began to question somewhere along the way um, was, like, I was told as a kid that God forgot all my sin. You, you ever heard this? Like, like well, if you pray your prayer and you do the thing, then God forgets the sin uh, that you had. And I got to thinking, well, if God is all-knowing, and if God is all-powerful, and if God is, you know, God... He couldn't just forget, right? And there came a point in, in, in my trying to discover faith and discover who God was that it came very clear to me that it wasn't that God forgot my past. It was that the God of the universe overwhelmed all of that sin and brokenness with his love. The visual image that oftentimes we get is that he literally drowns all of our baggage and our past and our shame that so many of us, including me, deserve. He drowns that in his perfect love and grace. And so when we sing songs like how wonderful is that grace, there's a reason to be excited. Because you couldn't do that on your own. I couldn't do that on my own. We needed a savior that could allow that to happen in our life. So thank you so much for singing with us. You can go ahead and, and have a seat. Um, today, uh, I don't think you could have picked a better week to, to be here because uh, we are right smack dab uh, in the middle of a, of a series called Unstoppable Force. And if it's your first time here, uh, you're going to get to hear from our founding pastor, uh, Steve Andrews, who's really uh, kind of the father of the movement. Yeah, we're pretty excited to have Steve here. Let's clap for that. That's pretty great. So you guys have had coffee. 11 o'clock is ready to go. 9 o'clock, they, they were struggling a little bit. Uh, yeah, but, uh, so yeah, we're so excited about that. Now, there's a couple things that I wanted to put on your radar, though, um, and uh, just kind of let you know a little bit about what's going on. We have something uh, that we do here now annually, and it's called the Hope Water Project, right? Hope Water Project. How many of you were part of Hope Water this past year? Anybody run, yeah, or cycle through that? Yeah, it's pretty amazing, yeah. Yeah, so Hope Water Project uh, is an incredible opportunity that we have uh, to give back to both our local community and our global community. So if you attend one of our churches, and if you volunteer, and you give here, if you're all in with us, uh, you are not just making an impact in Traverse City. You're making an impact uh, downstate and in Metro Detroit. You're making an impact in Orlando. But then over half a million people globally are impacted by one of our global partners that when you give money here, that you are also giving to those places. And so Hope Water Project is really an opportunity where we can raise money for one of those global partners, uh, specifically in Africa. And it's an incredible opportunity to do that. Now, I would tell you this. If you're anything like me, the idea of running doesn't, that's not exciting. You know what I mean? Like that's not, let's go run nine miles. That never, that never entered my mind for fun, you know? Uh, And so the great thing about Hope Water Project though is this, is really we're trying to raise funds to do something on the other side of the world. And you can walk, you can run, you can cycle, you can unicycle if God leads you to do that. I don't know how that works. You know, you unicycle. And I just say, we're just going to probably like push a stroller. That's how we're going to do the Hope Water Project. But we would love for you to be a part of this. Uh, And so if you want some more uh, 
information about that, you can go right out into the lobby. Uh, Tanya's going to be out there. She's going to be acting like she had the six cups of coffee that she did have this morning. Uh, so she'll be out there in a Hope Water Project shirt and a flag, uh, and, uh, and you can go out there and find out more information about that. Now, that said, I want to go ahead and invite our ushers uh, to move forward. We're going to receive our offering uh, today. And again, as I already said, that when you're, when you're giving here to Kensington, you're giving to something that's bigger than just here, even though it is uh, a part of what we do in Traverse City. Uh, you've heard us talk about things like Safe Harbor and, and our local community. Uh, we're also a part of something that's called School Partners here in our area. And I love what we do here. I was, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine uh, right outside uh, after the 9 o'clock service. He's an entrepreneurial guy who has his own business here in Traverse City. And what he does is he takes one day out of every single week and he mentors another uh, an elementary school student at, at a school here that has a lot of struggling students. He takes one hour every week and goes and does that, which is an amazing thing, right? A lot of you are a part of those kinds of things. And we just wanted to say thank you so much. Thanks for giving here. Uh, thanks for volunteering here. Thanks for being a K-Kids volunteer here. Uh, everything that we do is really connected to you. So thanks so much for being a part of that. Um, and also, I wanted to let you know, this, this is one of my most exciting things that I get to announce every year is we are just a few weeks away from Easter here at our church, which we're so excited about. Uh, Easter and Christmas and, and, and also Super Bowl Sunday, which is kind of fun. Those are our three big ones around here, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, we love football. So it's pretty great. And, but Easter's a big one. And the reason it's a big one is because, you know this, a lot of people will attend church on Easter that they would never attend church any other time, right? So this is one of the best times to invite somebody from your work or your school or the waitress at Chili's, at, you know, wherever you go, however that works. Um, you can do that. And we have three services that we would love uh, to invite you to, right? So on, uh, on March 31st at 7 p.m., that's a Saturday night, we're going to have a, an Easter service then. And then we're going to have our normal Sunday times at 9 and 11 on Easter Sunday, which is going to be April 1st, right? So that's 9 and 11 o'clock. Now, here's the thing about that, though. People flood to Easter and Christmas services, right? And so we fully expect, as we did last year, uh, to really pack out this auditorium several different times. And so we ask, uh, for those of you who attend, we ask you to do something just to help us out. Uh, we, we ask you to RSVP for these services. And that's not because we're just looking for you, know, you to RSVP, but it helps us make sure that our team is ready for you and your family and your friends. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do if you're willing to today. I'm going to go ahead and ask you to pull out your cell phones just for a second. We're going to do something together that's going to take take about 35 seconds. It's going to be really quick, but if you're willing to do this with me, we can go ahead and take care of this today. You don't have to worry about it. It's, it's great. Uh, and then you can also always go and add people onto here. If you have friends that you're inviting forward, or if you're anticipating friends, you can go ahead and put this on here. So here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm going to ask you to pull out your smartphone, right? And then in a second, I'm going to show you a video. You're going to see a really cute picture of my kid, and then you're going to see how we do this. So uh, here's my cell phone. Go to easterntc.com in whatever browser you have, right? easterntc.com. Uh, when you go to this, it's going to be a quick website, kind of an app feel. It's going to walk you through it. You're going to come to this page. Just scroll down until you say until it says get your tickets, which is your RSVP. So you click that. Uh, and once you do, all you have to do is select a date or select a time, right? So if you'll click that button, select a date or time, you pick whichever service you're planning on coming to. You pick that, and then it'll give you a little bit more information. And all you have to do is click that green button that says register. And just tell us how many people are coming. I think you can get up to around 76 people, so you'll be great, right? So go ahead and invite all those people. Take a whole section. It'll be perfect. Um, and then all we ask you to do is uh, give us your name, uh, your first name, and your last name, and then your email. The reason we ask you to do that is because we're going to give you some more information about this coming up, uh, and we're going to sell your email addresses to other people. I'm just kidding. We won't do that. No, never, 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 never do that, I promise. But uh, if you put that in there, um, that'll help us uh, kind of con contact you about Easter, and it'll also help us to 
to do this. Uh, if you need to change the time or your RSVP time, all you'll need to do is just have your uh, email address, and you can do all of that there. And we did all of the registration in about 35 seconds. So you should give yourself a hand for that. Fantastic job. You just saved our entire team about 25 hours worth of work, so thank you so much for doing that. Uh, and if you didn't, weren't able to do that today, no worries. You can do that at any point between now and Easter, uh, but that helps our team just make sure that we are ready for you. So thanks so much for doing that. Now, as I said, uh, today we are uh, in the middle of a series called Unstoppable Force. Uh, Steve Andrews is going to be speaking, and a lot of you are fairly new to our church, and so you may not have heard Steve before. Uh, but in the early 90s, uh, Steve Andrews and a small core group of people wanted to create a church for people who were unchurched, right? They wanted to create a church for people who would feel comfortable attending church, or they weren't attending church anymore, or they left church, or they found church to be boring. And out of that really was birthed a movement. Uh, and at Kensington, uh, we, we have several campuses around Metro Detroit. Orlando, and then us in Traverse City. We have 59 church plants. You're going to get to hear from some of them here in a few minutes. 59 church plants that we've launched all over the country. Uh, And then we have global partners. We have 11 global partners that, again, reach a little over half a million people all over the world. And a lot of that is because this small group of people decided to follow God and be obedient to him to be a part of something big. So we're so excited about having Steve here. Will you guys help me welcome Steve Andrews to the stage today? Hey, before you go... Let me just pray for you and for this team. Lord, thank you for uh, Patrick and the team. Thanks for the love and the passion. Thanks for the foundation for what you've done in this place. We just are so grateful that you invite us to be a part of it. So I would uh, just been such a joy to see people today and encounter people. Thank you for the beautiful, incredible giftedness that you've placed in this team. And every person listening today and the people watching on live stream that you kind of worked through us today, to create something that truly is something unstoppable. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thanks, bud. Well, hi, everybody. Hello? Yeah. This has really been a fun couple days we've been up. It uh, doesn't feel like winter here. And I've got, I really love this message today. And I'm hoping that you'll capture the heart of it with me because here's what I want you to know. When I was a kid, I remember thinking that the church was up to people to keep it going. And it was at a certain point where I read this verse. We talked about it last week, but I just want to condense the part that hit me the hardest in Matthew 16. It's where Jesus said, I will build my church. So who's building the church? The existence of the church in the world is up to who? It's up to Jesus, not us. It's Jesus is going to do it. And all of a sudden, I felt a tremendous pressure go off my shoulders. I remember, uh, I'm not going to tell you the whole story because I don't have time, but I actually was in a preaching competition when I was in third grade. Uh, I came in fourth out of four people. My sermon lasted for a minute and 18 seconds because they timed them, which was cruel punishment. And I remember thinking, if the church existence is up to me, then we're in big trouble. But here's the cool thing. The existence of the church is up to Jesus. Jesus said he's going to build it no matter what. And, and what's cool is he invites us to be a part of it. And so as you think about that today, I would love for you to find that the answer uh, is Jesus building it, but Jesus chooses to build it through us. And I want to I just identify something. I thought growing up that pastors were supposed to be the people leading churches. The word pastor. What I found out is the past, somehow the word pastor became a per, term of, for people that lead churches. But what was interesting 
is what I'm going to share with you right now. And for some of you, it's going to be brand new information. It's straight out of the Bible, and it's really interesting. It begins with this. In 1 Corinthians 12, it says this. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of services, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, I just want to stop here and say, did any of you ever talk to anybody or did you ever ever have this objection about following Christ where people's criticism about following Jesus Christ is related to how many different denominations, how many different movements of the church, how many Christians there are in the world, Protestant, Catholic, Orthodox. Anybody ever wonder about all that? This verse, to me, answers that. It answers the fact that what? There is such a unique working of the Holy Spirit. We're all different. God has given... The, 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 the New Testament lists probably nearly three dozen gifts that are identified as special gift, gifts from God to his people. So, it goes on to verse 15 to say this. Now, if the foot should say, because, oh, let me go back one. Just as the body, though, has, in verse 12, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. And if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, listen, just as he wanted them to be. You ever wish God made you differently? Anybody ever? Rate, just to, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions here. Anybody ever wish God had made them differently? Oh, come on. It's got to be more than that. You ever love basketball and you ever see a basketball you're playing? Oh, God, you could have you made me like that. You could have you let me play basketball like LeBron James or throw a football like Tom Brady. By the way, I, I, I'm an ex-college quarterback. I played for Powerhouse of the Midwest, Wheaton College, and... I got to tell you, no one has ever thrown a more beautiful football than Tom Brady. His motion is amazing. And it's like art watching it. Or do you ever watch somebody draw and you wish you could draw or write like somebody if you, if you love English? In other words, we all wish we were somebody else, but in Christ, he's placed us just as he wanted us to be. And here's where I'm going. In a few minutes, we're going to be there is God has made you in such a way that the church can never be what it's supposed to be just with one or two people leading it. It can only be something if everybody is discovering the wiring that God has built into them. And when the church is at its best, the gifts are at work. Now think about this. 1953, there were about one million Christians in China. Communist China took over. Mao Zedong took over. They killed or imprisoned every Christian. Every known Christian in China was murdered or imprisoned. 1972, Richard Nixon sent an envoy to China. Anybody remember this? Madame Mao Zedong took the envoy, the ambassador that Richard Nixon sent when he was president. I think it was 72. She took, her, took, him, took the, this envoy to the Beijing Museum. And behind glass, there was a Chinese version of the Bible, translation of the Bible. And, and Madame Mao said, this is the last Bible in China 
And she says, and all the Christians are exterminated. They're all gone. We, we destroyed Christianity in this country. About two years later, does anybody, anybody remember what happened? Any students of history? All of a sudden, the word came out that there were 10 or 15 million Christians in China. Underground Christians. And do you know how many there are today? Estimations say between 150, 120 and 150 million. Nick, do you think that's right? You say 120, 150? And so, oh, hang on, I'm going to kill myself. The point is, what happened? What happened is what we're reading right now. The body of Christ didn't have their leaders. All their leaders got put in jail, thrown in prison, and murdered. So the body of Christ had to be what? The body of Christ. Everyone doing their part. Everyone just as Jesus wanted, just as God wanted them to be. And so, God has placed these parts. Verse 19, if they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. We all need each other. And then it closes like this, verse 27. Now, you are the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. And you know what he's clear? Is that each part is indispensable. The church is only as good as every part doing its part. And so, if you've ever looked at someone, you go, well, I wish I could be that. I wish I could do that. Oh, look, this is all I can do. No, you've missed the point of what God has done because the church has exploded in China, exploding in Nepal right now, exploding in all over the world. It's all coming from each part of the body doing its work. And I'm going to make that clear in just a minute. So, in order to demonstrate this, I want to just do a little quiz. Let me, let me see how this works. I want everybody to pretend that we're at a dinner party. And there's a nice tablecloth. Anybody ever been at a dinner party? Does anybody eat with tablecloths anymore? Like, let me see a show of hands. Did you ever eat with a tablecloth? Okay, there's still some civilized people left in the world. Yeah, two hands back there. Pretty excited. So imagine you're with a group of people, and maybe people don't know each other that well. And uh, one of the persons has a big glass of grape juice or a glass of red wine, and they spill it all over the all over the table, all over their clothes, and all over the brand new rug in this beautiful house. When that ha- bummer. When that happens, what do you do? That's the question. So let me ask you. You can just kind of give a show of hands of what you do. How many of you sit would sit motionless and just stare at the embarrassment? How many of you would do that? Can I see a show of hands? Okay, a few honest people. That actually, the reason I asked that first is that's me. I'm the person that. Somebody should be jumping into action, and I'm the person just like, you know. I'm helpless. I am not good under pressure. You do not want me, you know, if you need me to save you from an avalanche or pull you out of a burning building, I am not the person. I'll think, you know, somebody should go in there and help. That's me. I'm that guy. Uh, How many of you would applaud just to break the ice? You know, like when the, when the restaurant and the dishes crash, how many of you are that person? You applaud, okay? Okay. A few, anybody else? A few honest people. Some of you are, it's not polite to lie in church. Okay. How many of you would immediately run to the kitchen to get paper towels? Okay, now stop. Hold, hold your hands up. Keep your hands up. Everybody look around. Overwhelming number of people raise their hands. Guess what? That actually has an application to how Jesus Christ has made people and how God has intended the church to function. I'll come back to that in just a minute. 
How many, of you, how many of you would go, instead of getting paper towels, would go put your hand on the shoulder of the person that spilled it just to comfort them? Anybody? Pretty callous group here at, a, at 11 o'clock. <laughs> you know, uh, okay, a few of you. A few of you have compassion. Good. Uh, how many of you would Google how best to remove grape stains from brand new carpet? Okay, there's a lot of you. Okay, there, there's a point to this. Uh, how many of you... Uh, to ease the embarrassment, would spill your own drink just to make the person feel better. Okay, how many? I actually was at a party where that happened. person spilled uh, a glass of wine and made a mess of everything, and the, and the host, the hostess, she just went, oh, knocked her, knocked her. It was pretty cool, and it really did cut some of the embarrassment. He's like, doesn't matter. It's like Brian Tell, my buddy at uh, Cornerstone Church in Cincinnati, when the, the day they opened their building, he says, I just want you to know, I don't want, I don't want this to be a church where we worship a building or worship anything. He says, we are the body of Christ as people. Building doesn't mean anything. He took a huge glass of, co- of coffee, threw it up the middle aisle, like a 20-ounce cup of coffee. It was an opening service in the building. Threw it up the middle, splashed everywhere. He goes, yep. He goes, we're not going to worship this building. We're going to worship Jesus Christ, and we're going to love each other. It's never going to be about the building. Amen. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah. So any, give me a grape juice. So, no. So... I uh, didn't bring one. How many of you, just to finish this, would write a story or a poem about grape juice? Nobody, I, nobody has the guts to raise their hand on that. So each of these is a reflection of how God made you. If you ran to the, the kitchen to get paper towels, you probably have some, some kind of gift of what? Helps or serving. You're the person kind of, of giving. You're the, it's kind of, it's kind of, it's, Somewhere in you would be probably, in the, in the spiritual terms, one of the, the make-it-happen gifts, like the, the door-closer gifts, the things where if you don't have these people, everything is in disarray. Uh, for the people that would comfort the, the person who's embarrassed or knock over their, uh, their glass to make them feel better or, or pat them on the shoulder, maybe that's a person that has what? Some of the compassion-based gifts, mercy, uh, you know, um, so, some of those kind of gifts as well. Um, if you Google how to best to fight grape stains, you probably have a gift of what? A phone. A A gift of a phone. You might have the gift of teaching. In other words, the way people respond, you can see how God has wired them. And what's interesting, when I grew up in the church, I never had a sense that the church, that the success of the church or the future of the church was built on people. I always felt like the, the, the success of the church was built on the pastor and those of us who went out to lunch afterwards to critique his sermon. Honestly, I thought that's, I grew up thinking that's what the church was. My parents were different, so in our church, we kind of had a big podium up, up there and a b- big communion table right here. And then we had, it was a long, one of those long, anybody grew up on one of those? It was real long and narrow. And then we had pews on the side and all the backs of all the pews, there were no cushions. I bet you there were, 400 people could fit in this, this, uh, this building. And all the backs had those plywood panels that if you were crossing your legs, you'd kick the panel and sound like a rifle shot. Does anybody remember that kind of a church? It, it would crack and just pow, just like in everybody. It was great because the, Dr. Salto was, was an incredible godly man, but he was a very boring speaker. So I, like I said last week, if you watched the video, if you, th- if you think I'm boring, believe me, you have no idea. So... 
Uh, and I would look around, and there would be all these men every week. And we, we sat on the third row. I was usually right here between my parents, kicking the plywood in front of me. I'd look back, and all the men in the church would be asleep. It was incredible. And then their wives would elbow them, and they'd bob their heads. And then they'd pretend like they were nodding to some great point made in the sermon. <laughs> anyway, why am I telling you this? Because this is not the image of the church. The image of the church is the body doing its part. The, ch- the image of the church would be much more like a healthy family around their dining room table or their breakfast table, sitting around praying, reading the Bible, laughing, telling a story, someone blowing milk out of their nose. I remember our, remember our son would always do that when his older sisters would get him laughing. In other words, the image of, of the church was what? A body, a family, every part doing its function. And so Paula, who's here with my wife and me today, when we were in Philippi a few years ago, we found out that the first known church building, public church building that we know of in the world that was discovered was in the city of Philippi. And it was fascinating that the church became like this. You had an altar. This was an elevated. It was higher. There were big, big seated thrones where, where the people could sit in there, and, uh, and then the people were in a lower level. What we discovered was the original building was a flat floor with an altar f- for, for the food for communion, and it, and it was uh, just a series of benches around a circle, and you could see it in the mosaic. That the church, the first public building, was, you're, you're going to see the significance of this later in the sermon, but the early church Christians, they were not meeting here, because this is confusing. Like, if you're sitting here, do you feel like you're important, necessarily? Not unless you understand what God's plan or vision is for the church. So let me get it to you this way. Here's how Paul describes it. So he first of all, he talked about every person having their part to play. But then he shares five foundational gifts. And honestly, if you're with me today, if you're listening, this could change your life. It could change the way you follow Jesus Christ. If you're an unbeliever, it might change you to want to be a part of something that is this cool. So listen, Ephesians 4 begins this way. To each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. In other words, every gift, every spiritual gift is what? It's a grace. It's the same grace that moved Jesus to the cross. In verse 11, it says, It was he, Christ, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. Here's what, you, here's what some of you don't know. These are the five foundational gifts of every church. Every church that's ever existed in the world exists on the foundation of these five gifts. Now, in the church that I grew up in, they X'd out the gift of apostle. Anybody go to a church like that? Grow up, you're older? Like the apostles were just the original apostles, and when they died, that gift went away with them. I couldn't disagree with that more. Because if you look at the history of the church of the last 2,000 years, every unbelievable movement of the church in the world, whether it was Watchman Nee or the missionaries to China or Julius Murga or our partner among the Pokot in Kenya, where since he's been back, since we were in seminary, he's baptized 60,000 Pokot, started 300 churches. You're telling me he's not an apostle? That's crazy. Ramesh Subkota, who was just within Nepal, he and his team have rescued 90,000 girls at the, at the Nepal-India borders over the last 15 years. Are you kidding me? It's amazing. These people are in the world, and it's not just them. 
Some of the apostles are sitting right in this in the seats. Some of you are, that moved Bay Point to work for Safe Harbor in the years. Those of you who started churches along the way, Nick and Nick Nick Toomey and I have been dreaming that he's been working on planting uh, house churches through Big Life and in, in all over the cities. I mean, you don't think he's not an apostle? Let me. Are you kidding me? This is this is the movement of God. So here's where it gets exciting. The purpose of this was to prepare God's people for works of service. Let's say these two words together. So that the body of Christ may be built up. Built up what? To do what it was meant to do. Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the gospel, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. And I'm with you to the ends of the earth. Does that sound boring or does that sound like the most unbelievable adventure in the world? Go to the ends of the earth. A few of us in the room have gotten to do that. It's amazing. And so, and then here's what will happen. Verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. He says, then we'll no longer be infants, tossed in back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of men and their deceitful scheming. I was reading this uh, this week, and I thought, you know what? I've never personally felt more this way. Since the, in, since the beginning of the digital age in which we're living, where, where every piece of information, every person's shot is instantly available via news in one minute anywhere in the world by any person that wants to criticize anybody or hate anybody or, or speak against someone, it really has rocked people to their core. And our children are growing. They're, they're the ones that are trying to negotiate this, trying to figure this out. I think it's overwhelming. So how do you live a life where you're not just moved back and forth by every single thing that happens in the world? How do you, what do you ground your life in? And this is what Paul says. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. I really think this is the definition, the number one definition of what Christian maturity is. You want to say, well, am I a, fo- am I, am I a mature follower of Christ? It's not really measured by how much of the Bible you know. It's really measured by is the Holy Spirit moving through you and you're speaking the truth of God and you're doing it in love always. Like you're not talking behind anybody's back. You're, you're protecting the absentee at everywhere you go. You're honoring people. You're asking for forgiveness. This, these are the things that are the mark of what Christ wants to do in us. And then, and then it finishes here. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament. So think about this. If you cut one ligament in your body, guess what happens to you? Disaster. It's terrible. How many of you have had knee surgery in this room? Just curious. Look at that. A ton of us. Man, your knee's not working? I'm right on the verge of needing knee replaced. I'm so depressed. I got to have my knees replaced. And I'm worried about it. And it's interesting. Man, my knee stopped working. The rest of my body feels phenomenal. I mean, look at me. Gorgeous. And then all of a sudden, my knees aren't working. I can't even go up and down steps. Because what? If one part of the body. If one part isn't doing its job, guess what happens? Every, all of us suffer. We're not what we were meant to be. So if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, Jesus is saying your part is absolutely critical. And these five foundational gifts are a part of how important that is. So look at verse 11 one more time, and then I want to show you, I'm going to show you a graph that's going to change your life. You're going to actually leave cash on the stage for me after the service is over. 
These gifts are so fundamental. It says, he gave some to be, let's say them together. Teachers. Now that was really enthusiastic. Come on, read it like you mean it. Come on, man, he made apostles, prophets. Okay. It's amazing. So now I'm going to get to the screen. Let's get on the screen. And here, because here's what I want you to know. There, there would be some argument about this. I think most scholars, most Christian scholars across the world would agree that every believer in Jesus Christ has one of these as a foundational gift. So you have all the other gifts listed in the New Testament. Gifts of help, gifts of administration, gifts of serving, you know, all of these things. But most theologians, and I have to be one of them, that believe strongly that God has given one of these gifts to each of us to be a primary foundational gift and that God also calls, listen now, God calls all of us at certain points in our life to exercise every one of these, right? To be human and to be following Christ means you're going to have to exercise all of these at a certain point. But what I want you to do is realize that one of one or two of these are going to resonate more than the others. That's why when I asked you to show your hands earlier, I said, how many of you would, would run get paper, paper, paper towels? Because you have probably a, a, a pastor shepherding, more of a pastoring shepherding motivation. Which, by the way, when you look at these gifts, when you, you poll a church, usually about 80% of the people have more of a pastor shepherding gift than these other gifts. The apostle gifts are a little rare. Uh, prophet is even rarer, probably. Uh, uh, pastor, teacher, evangelist. Pastor, teacher are much more common, but pastor, shepherd the most of all, and then evangelist probably the least of all. So here's what they are. Let's, we're we're going to say the yellow words out together so we'll remember this, okay? So the meaning of apostle is what? Go. It's go. It's go take God's DNA to new territory. Now I want to tell you something. I'm, you don't have to call me Apostle Steve. Please, that's awkward and strange and creepy. Okay, so we're not going to do that. But the truth of it is, if the church is not going forward, you might as well nail me alive in a coffin. I'm dead. If we're not going forward, if we're not dreaming of something new, I'm dead. Because that's what God built into me. To go, to lead, to advance, to do what? What result? Conquer territory for for the kingdom. Do any of you resonate with go? Just curious. Let's see if you show hands. The first thought in your heart is go. Come on, raise your hands. Nick, me and Nick. Anybody else? Yeah, right here, two. Anybody else? I see that hand. Okay, there's like five of us that that's the one we resonate with. Isn't that interesting? That's absolutely proves every study that's ever been done. Because people who go are generally somewhat imbalanced. In fact, I'm the only go person that I've ever known who's normal. Nick, did you know that? I'm the only go person that I've ever met who's normal. Everybody else is abnormal. <laughs> no, seriously. It's like the church planners. We've, we've helped launch 59 churches. Every one of those men and women are odd. I'm not kidding you. Because it costs too much. It costs unbelievable discomfort. You give up your life and your time and your money. You never get it back. And so you've got to be half crazy to be an apostle. In fact, Paul in Corinthians, he's talking. He goes, he's blind. He's up to this. He's saying this. He goes, he goes, I must be out of my mind. He even says it. Anyway, 
gosh, go read it. Go find it. It's awesome. A lot, lot, lot better than you thought it was when I was saying it. Uh, prophet, to know, let's say it, know and tell what God is saying. Um, so your action is to guide. It's, uh, it's kind of to listen to the direction of the Spirit, to take the right territory. I would say for the prophet, the apostles would say, hey, we're going to take this city for Christ. The prophet is the one who's going to say, hey, let's check our motives. Let's take a time out here and let's think about, are we on the right track? Are we doing the right territory? That's what the prophet says. And the purpose is what? To take the right territory. Which of you resonate? I'm just curious. Anybody resonate with that? Just see a show of hands. Okay. No, it's cool. It's cool. You resonate. I love it. Again, just a handful of people. Evangelist is where you persuade others to come. It's the whole... Uh, you know, when you talk about the, leaving the 99 to go and find the one, it's the apostle that says go. It's probably the evangelist that goes and actually finds them. It's really interesting. The evangelist communicates the gospel in such a way that people respond with faith in Jesus and to convert uh, through the lens of the one to what? What's the word? Expand the kingdom. I was just in Nepal. I did my first uh, illegal, probably illegal baptism. We baptized four girls that had been rescued from brothels and were being in restoration. They'd come to know Christ, wanted to be baptized. We went to a very out-of-the-way place in a river that was 18 inches deep. And believe me, you couldn't have baptized me in there unless you'd laid me out because fortunately they were flexible enough to bend back and be baptized. But I asked Ramesh, who's our partner in Nepal, I said, so why are we in this out-of-way? We almost got stuck in sand and mud three times trying to get to this place in the river. We're in the middle of nowhere. He says, well, we do it in the river near the city. We'll probably be, we'd probably be arrested. Well, he didn't tell me that until after the baptism was over. So, Because proselytizing, converting into Nepal or Bhutan or India, Pakistan, is a punishable five years in prison. And Paula, who's here, my wife was with me, and she's like, I don't want, I'd like to see my grandkids grow up. I really don't want to sit in five years in, in a Nepali prison. Well, anyway, we're here in America. We're safe. So... But that evangelist goes, will go anywhere to even just see one person come to Christ. And they love telling people about Jesus Christ and what he's done. So, like anybody feel like that's your first? You resonate? Any evangelist? Okay, right here. We got one. Nick, Cora, Dan. Anybody else here? Okay. More. We got more evangelists, which is cool because we need those. And that's a, those are powerful. Now, that doesn't, just remind you, doesn't let you off the hook because all of us are called at a certain point to exercise all of these. Jesus is inviting us to do that. Pastor cares for those that are here, cares for those that are in need. They look out for people that are weak or lagging behind, people that are struggling, people that come into this building. Maybe they're looking for a connection. Uh, the shepherding, the, the word shepherd and, and pastor are the same phrase. They're synonymous with each other in the New Testament. And it's all about the lens of community and family and caring for the people. How many of you, how many of you have that? Go ahead, show of hands. Totally. You know what all the studies say? that of all these gifts that pastor is, is really given to about 80% of the people in the body of Christ, that that's the one they resonate with. In other words, you should be leading a small group. Uh, I had a gal after the first service, I asked, did we do it? Because we have 500 people doing intentional parenting uh, in the Detroit area. And I said, are we doing intentional parenting here? I still don't know if we are or not. I don't think so. we are. And she says, well, next time you do it, I want to lead it. Like that motivates me to help help younger parents Get their families going. It was resonating. So I said to her, I said, it's probably because you were resonating with pastor and teacher. That was the gift that was kind of resonating with you. So teacher, explain God's truth to enlighten people. The, the lens is the word of God, the Bible, 
And the result is you're building confidence. You're building confidence that people are on the right road. They're doing the right thing. That God's word affirms that. These are really powerful. Teacher. How many of you are a teacher out there? Curious. Feel resonant. Look at that. A lot of you. Again. And so, again, it really fits with what we know about this. But here's what I want you to know. Whatever one you resonate with, for us, say for Kensington, or for the church of Jesus Christ in the world, or for us to see a movement of God in the world, we have got to be living out the foundational gift that God has put within us. If you're not doing it, I'm not putting shame on you. I'm simply saying if you're not doing, if you're a follower of Christ, and you're not finding your way to do what God has made you to do, then all of us suffer as a result. Because we need you. And there's no way God would ever want you to look at Patrick or me or somebody else and go, oh, I wish I was them. No. God made you just the way he wants you to be. And he's put gifts in you and passions in you that no one else can fulfill. And that's, and wherever you see the church in the world going, this is, this is going. Now, let me show you a diagram. Now, I'm showing you two of my favorite diagrams. Here's the second diagram. This is the church uh, at the beginning of the church. This is my favorite diagram in the whole world. I think it's the coolest thing in the world. At Pentecost, there were 3,000 believers on the very first day. How would you like to preach a sermon like that? Never happened to me. I've seen a couple dozen, maybe a hundred come to Christ in a single day, but never anything like that. Seventy years later, by 100 A.D., how many are there? Let me come on. 25,000. So in 70 years, you think that's pretty good, wouldn't you? If you're leading the church for 70 years old and you're growing for 3,000, 25, you go, that's pretty good. Now, get ready for this. Over the next 213 years, it goes from 25,000 to 20 million. Anybody want to say, whoa? What's the, what's the percentage increase? Can anybody, give me a math, mathematician. Give me an answer. Is it a thousand times increase, basically? Yeah. The church grew in 200 years by a thousand times. Well, it's in the, it's it's probably a billion and a half. But the word is much bigger. But here's what I want you to see. This never happened from 100 A.D. to 313 A.D. There was no such thing as this. It didn't exist. All that existed from 100 A.D. to 313 A.D. was this. 25, 30, 15, 10 people. This is all that existed. And then, and during that time, it's like in Kenya, uh, those are trees. Okay. So, so no one should ever let me have this. I'm sorry. And, and, and here, here are the people gathered under, under thorn trees in Kenya. We have 200 churches like this. They just meet under thorn trees, under the trees. They have nothing. They own nothing. Near a well. That's how the church grew. Because what happened between 100 and 313 A.D.? In the Roman Empire, there were what? Ten major persecutions. And each one of them lasted for years. So you know what Christians were doing? Christians were meeting in homes secretly. They were meeting like in, in little, little catacombs where they were hiding in the rocks and there were tombs up there and they were meeting in there. And you know how they sang? I'm just guessing. You know how I think they sang? Like if Amazing Grace would have been written 2,000 years ago. You know how they would sing? 
They've been amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch. Come on, let's sing. Like me, I once was lost. They finish singing. Guess what happens? Wham! The door comes open. Roman soldiers, centurions come in. They come in. They come off the stage. They start dragging people out. Start taking them, and they're going to be fodder at the stadium, or they're going to separate uh, children from their parents, and they're going to be sold as slaves across the Roman Empire. That happened for two centuries. People gave their lives. Now, here's the thing that hit me so powerfully. Go back to the apostle slide that we had, the original with all the, all the definitions, if you can find it. Sorry, I didn't, didn't ask him to do that. Um, the, the actual, the grid. Um, there were no paid clergy from 100 to 313. There was no person leading a church building. There was no church building owned. There was nothing. What there was was small pockets of people living out these gifts, and in 200 years, the church grew by a thousand times. Nothing in the history of the world has ever matched it until the last century. In the last century, we're seeing it in China, and we're seeing it in Cuba, and we're seeing it in Afghanistan, which Nick got us involved in. And every, every couple of weeks, we hear about one of, the, one of the Christians in Afghanistan giving their life as a follower of Christ, just like in these ten major Roman persecutions of the early church. Isn't that amazing? These are the men and women that our faith is built on. So, when you're sitting around your dinner table, if you're, if you're a married couple, and let's say you've got two or three kids, and you're sitting around the dinner table tonight, do you know which of these gifts are present around the table by the Holy Spirit? Guess how many? All of them. When one missionary goes to somewhere in the world, uh, Reuben Mariakal, who went from the Pokot in Kenya to the Deposa tribe in Sudan, he went alone. How many of the gifts went with him? All of them, because the Holy Spirit's dwelling in him. Now, he probably has one that sticks out more than the others, but as people come to Christ, the gifts start to pour into people. That's why whoever you are in this room or listening on stream, you are indispensable to the kingdom of God, to the movement of Christ in the world. We can't do it without you. You can't. Don't go get in your car and say, it doesn't matter what I do. You are God's strategy. You're God's only strategy. Was the church and the Holy Spirit poured out, working through imperfect, flawed, fearful people that make a million mistakes, and that's Jesus' plan for the world. Isn't that cool? Somebody say that's cool. Okay, it is. So here's what I want you to know, and then we're done. Only when these five gifts are being exercised can the church really grow and be what it needs to be. When I was growing up, I grew up in a church where most of the people in that church knew the Bible like seminary-level Bible students. Incredible people. I hardly remember one person coming to Christ. You know why? Because 
the gifts weren't in action. I mean, all the gifts. People weren't being released. People thought, oh, it's up to the pastor. You know, people come to Christ if the pastor preaches a good sermon or whatever. No. The only time we see a, a movement that can't be stopped, that is an unstoppable force, is when each per, part of the body is doing its work. Isn't that cool? So what I'm saying is, in a summary, is you are so important. you like, you have underestimated your importance to the kingdom of God and to the church of Jesus Christ in the world. Listen, when I preached my first one minute and 18 second sermon, I did not think God had, was in any way going to use me. And you know what I found through my whole life? Is that's how everybody thinks. That's how everybody thinks. I wanted to give this message to you today in love and say, stop thinking that way. Because Jesus has made us an unstoppable force, an unstoppable team, even in our brokenness, because his Holy Spirit is alive in us. Pretty cool. And when here's my last point. When all five gifts are functioning together, the church becomes truly electric. That's what we're pursuing all the time. Um, I'd, I'd encourage you to go, go online this week and watch the Everyone campaign video again. Because as Greg Gibbs and I talk, again, it's an expression of what? When the gifts are functioning, something electric happens. You know, when I think about uh, 2017, we saw over 1,000 churches and house churches launched in the world through the faithful giving of Kensington people partnering with indigenous church leaders. You know what I want to say to us? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I, I never saw a church started until I was 35 years old. I didn't even know you could do that. I thought, I don't know how I thought churches happened. They just existed. No, they happened because people like you, the men and women in this room and the boys and girls in this room, go, man, I'm going for it. I'm believing that Jesus Christ is going to pull together a team of people and do something amazing. When I think about it, I remember four or five of the leaders of Faith Church when Wally Hostetter was so beautiful, he launched Kensington had four or five of the top, most vocal leaders in the church came to me and said, you're way too immature to start a church. How's that for building confidence? Like, like we're not for this, and we don't want Faith Church to give any money to support it because we think it's a waste of money, and we think you're the wrong, we, we just don't think you have it. So you know what I did? Did it anyway. Did anyway. You know what I said to them? I said, I said guys, I remember saying to these five, five guys, I said, guys, you're probably right. <laughs> I recognize my immaturity. But Jesus, I sense Jesus Christ has called me to do this. Am I, so what, who am I supposed to listen to? They say, what if it's a failure? What if you step out and try something and it's a colossal failure? There's no worry because Jesus said, he said, I'll build my church. He didn't say Steve Andrews is going to build his church. He said, I'll build my church. So one of the things just to celebrate that you've never seen before, we just put it together. I'd love to finish um, with just um, celebrating some of the churches that have started here and some of our leaders around the world, global partners around the world, who um, we asked them just to send us a short video of what, it's, what, what our relationship with them has meant. And I thought it was a great way to finish the day. After that, Ryan and the team are going to come up and lead us in a final song. And then uh, Patrick and I will come up and say goodbye. But I just want you to revel in this. Jesus Christ. 
wants the whole world to know of his love. And we're his best plan. I mean, it makes you want to laugh out loud, doesn't it? It's so cool. You can think, man, if I, if I was God, I'd come up with a better plan than that. No, he came, he came up with this plan. And so as we finish, I thought it would be fun for you to see just some of the great people, the men and women in our life, saying thank you. Hey, what's going on, Kensington? I'm Clint. And I am Michael, and we are at Easttown Church. It's Vince Antonucci from Verb Church in Las Vegas. This is Dave Kubiak from Antioch Church in St. Clair Shores. Hey, Kensington, this is Dave Nelson out in K2, the church in Salt Lake City, Utah. Travis here with Miles City Church in Livonia, Michigan. Hey, this is John and Catherine Evans from Renovation Church in Oviedo, Florida. This is Colin and Liz Harfield. We moved out to the greater Boston area back in August with a view to planting Anthem Church later this fall. I'm Julius Murgor. Uh, the director of Home Harvesters International. This is Jaya from India. This is Ramesh Sapkota. I'm from Nepal. It's been nearly 10 years since you sent Chris and me and a group of others out to New York City to plant a church called Communitas. I want to thank you because you have been a part of what we've been doing since the very beginning. You guys uh, supported us financially with your prayers, sent mission teams, and we are here today because of you. Last week I had the opportunity to meet a reporter and it was his first time ever in church. And uh, he said, I just want to let you know, I'm going to come back next Sunday because I can't wait to learn more. And the first person we saw come to Christ was a pimp, and we have seen prostitutes and uh, gang members and you name it, Satanists. And you guys are part of every single one of those lives that have been changed. We are already gathering a group of people, about 20 to 30 people that have been gathering on a regular basis. And in just a few short months, we're already seeing over 100 people gathering weekly. You know, over 1,000 people are going to show up today, and that's been the case for years here. We have been fighting against human trafficking and rescuing the girls who've been taken from the country of Nepal. And so we just want to say thank you again for all that you have done, all the sacrifices that you have made uh, to make this possible. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you. Thank you for your incredible support. Just know that what you're doing there is impacting tons of people out here in Salt Lake. From New Life Church on Wayne State's campus in Detroit, Michigan, thank you, Kensington. From Grumlaw Church in Grand Blanc, Michigan, Thank you. From Detroit Church in the heart of Midtown Detroit, thank you to all our friends, Steve, Greg, and the entire Kensington family. All things new! Thank you so much. We literally couldn't have done it without you. Thank you! Hey, Dave Wilson here, and I want to say thank you, too. On behalf of the Kensington leadership, thank you. You have made all of this possible. We've planted 60 plus churches in the, in the United States, thousands of churches around the world, and countless numbers of people have been impacted for Jesus. And you don't even realize this, it's because of you, your giving, your sacrifice has made a huge difference. So on behalf of all of our leadership, thank you for what you've done. Let me tell you, it's just the beginning. God is going to do amazing things. stand for one last song. Worthy of every song we 
Man, I just want to pray, Lord, uh, as we wrap up and finish this day. Like if there is doubt in people's hearts and minds about how you have joyfully chosen them to be a part of your body, that they would leave here knowing how much you want them, how much you gave to bring them home. And Lord, as a body, as part, just a tiny part of your body in this world, would you move us like to go where you send, to share loving truth, to find the one, to care, to care for the broken and the stumbling, to love your word and to teach it, and that together kind of just bring all that together in large environments, small environments, in homes, under trees. I don't know what the catacombs are in America are, but who knows? Maybe they're in the basement of political buildings. I don't know, but you you want to build you're gonna build your church. You invite us to be a part of it. And Lord, let each precious brother, sister in this room know that you've called them. You want them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, one more time. Will you thank Steve Andrews? It was a phenomenal message. So good. So good. Thanks, bud. We love you. We love you. Yeah. Hey, uh, I want to let you know this, that again, if it's your first time and you're like, you know what, I'd love today, but I have questions or I'd love to find out more, we would love to connect with you. We've got a whole team out there that would just love to meet you, um, and it's called Starting Point. So it'll be in the lobby right back there on your right-hand side, or you can always go to startingpoint.today. Uh, and then next week, we are wrapping up this series, Unstoppable Force. So come back next week, bring somebody with you, and we will see you soon. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for watching online. Again, you're part of a growing community that is connecting with us in this amazing digital space. And so we're so thankful uh, that you watched today. Uh, if you have any questions or you'd like for one of our team members to reach out to you as well, you can always go to startingpoint.today at startingpoint.today uh, to find out more information about who we are and what we're all about. And we'd love to invite you to one of our uh, churches uh, as well. So if you're if you're going to be around for Easter and you're here in the Traverse City area, we would love to see you live here. It's going to be an amazing experience. It would be great to watch online, but it would be even better uh, to be here in person. So come with your friends, come with your family. Uh, just let us know you're coming. So you can go to easterntc.com. That's easterntc.com. It's about 35 seconds to do uh, the RSVP there, and they'll let us know you're coming. Again, thanks so much for watching. We'll see you right back here next week.